Welcome to Life Play. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Gershon Morgolis. Gershon, are you ready to do this? Looking forward. All right, let's go. Gershon is the founder and CEO of Imperial Advisory. They're a fractional CFO and consultancy, bringing clarity to business owners so they can make better decisions. He's also a finance professor. Gershon, excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, why you do what you do. All right. Um, well, George, it's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, so I guess I'll try it in that order. Personal life. I have a family. I've got a wonderful wife and three kids and uh, parents, grandparents, siblings live in New York. Um, I hope to get out of New York one day. But at this point, most of my family lives here. And my wife wants to be here. So so we're here for now. Um, and moving on to work. Um, when I go to work every day, these days I'm running the business, but we've got a team of CFOs and I used to be one of them and now less, more of my time is running the business. But what we do for work is we go into help business owners, as you said, make better business decisions. And I mean, being a CEO is, is a lonely place and there's a lot of decisions. There's a lot of things going on that, that need to happen and finance and strategy, figuring out how to be profitable and make sure your employees don't steal from you. Cyber criminals don't steal from you. How to make sure that you don't end up being the next Silicon Valley bank and, you know, have a asset liability mismatch. These, these are all things that are not the reason why people went into business, right? Everyone goes into business to do whatever it is that they're passionate about. If you're in building, you want to be a builder. If you're a baker, you want to be a baker. If you're a lawyer, you want to be a lawyer. So, People, there's a lot more involved in running a business in the same way a business needs attorneys to help with the legal things. There's the financial and financial angle to all that. And we get to help people do that and get their life back. You know, a CEO who's spending all his time doing something he doesn't want to do, isn't trained to do, et cetera, is not to be a happy CEO. And so we get to give people a better life, I guess. I love it. <clears throat> so let's assume that your wife isn't listening. Where where else would you want to move? Well, you're good with the follow-ups. Um, so I used to want to move to Florida, but now all the New Yorkers moved to Florida. So right. I'm thinking, I don't know, maybe like Georgia or something. Okay. I like it. It's like the natural order of things to live in the big city and then migrate slowly down south to Florida. But but maybe not. Break the yeah, curve well, there's one other... One other place. I mean, they say that upstate New York is kind of like the Midwest. So I might not even have to leave New York. I could just move to upstate to the Midwest. Okay. Well, you got a lot of options. So I like it. I, I, in my work uh, in personal finance, people talk a lot about how, well, geez, I really wish I would have learned this stuff in school. I don't know how many entrepreneurs actually went and got business degrees necessarily, uh, but I imagine it's sort of a similar thing. It's like, okay, it's not necessarily intuitive to do all the things that I need to as a baker or as a builder to then operate a business. You're 100% correct. Um, and I, I tell this to our to our marketing people, actually. I'm like, if you don't understand something that we're asking you to write about, 
make sure you ask because many of our clients, like you said, don't have business degrees. Some of our clients don't have any degree. Um, and the ones who do have degrees, it's probably a professional degree that relates to their area of interest and expertise. And it does happen that we have clients with business degrees, but why, typically that's not the case. And what are some of the fundamental things that, 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 that you find people get tripped up by or people are consistently making mistakes on? Is it cash flow? Is it forecasting? Well, I mean, there's definitely concerns with cash flow and forecasting, but I would say that the biggest issue there is probably that people aren't doing it at all. Um, the, the mistakes that people make are lots of people make mistakes with debt. They borrow money and don't understand what, what they're borrowing. They don't understand the terms. They see a rate, but they don't like 15%, 15% good or bad. Well, it's not great, but it's not terrible. But what if it's 15% even if you pay it back after three weeks? Is it really 15%? So yeah, it's 15%, but on an annualized basis, if you make a if you borrow in that way multiple times a year, you could be paying a hundred percent or two hundred percent a year. So I would say it's probably more about from my perspective, about understanding what they're doing and what they need to be doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, not forecasting whether they're making people make mistakes by not forecasting whether people make mistakes with forecasting or just don't forecast at all, not having a good understanding of what's coming down the pike from revenue through expenses and everything else. I mean, that could cause problems for loans, right? You know, if you have a bank loan, you have covenants, you got to keep Well, if you don't know what's going to be happening, that, that could cause problems. You could run out of cash, right? Because maybe you don't understand or don't pay attention to the fact that when revenue goes up, your expenses go up, but the expenses, you know, may have to be prepaid. So, you know, if you're, you have to buy supplies in order to sell them, let's say. So if you have to pay for the supplies before you sell them, then you got to have a whole lump of cash. Even if you are profitable, you still need to be able to lay out that cash. So by not understanding and not having a plan and saying, I know that I'm going to sell X next month. Therefore, I need to buy Y this month. Therefore, I need to borrow the money or deal with the cash ramifications. That's where people, you know, that, that's one type of place where people can get tripped up. And that applies with both inventory service businesses, right? You pay your people now. When do your clients pay you? Well, if they prepay, great. If they don't, you got to make payroll this week in order to collect the money next week. We're having this conversation on March 14th, and we'll see what actually does finally shake out with with, with the banking system. Um we were hearing stories about how hundreds, if not thousands of these companies that were banking with Silicon Valley were not going to be able to make payroll because they wouldn't have access to their money. So I imagine there's probably a lot of people who are looking at their situation thinking, okay, I don't want to find myself in this kind of a scenario. What, what do I do? So there's a number of different strategies. Um, now, obviously, most of us aren't in control of the entire banking system. So there, there is a limit to what any one person or company can do. But broadly speaking, if you keep all your money in one bank, there's, there's a level of risk there, right? And many of these companies have all their money there. If you have cash lying around, maybe put it in a bank that will 
that will provide insurance, right? I mean, what happened was the reason we haven't had that many bank runs and that many banking collapses in whatever it is, the last bunch of decades or the last hundred years, really, it's been greatly diminished or the concern has been greatly diminished is because we have insurance. There's FDIC insurance created, I believe, in 1933 after the... 1929 crash. Um, so the federal, there's doesn't make a difference. That's federal. There is an insurance fund on deposit. So you put your money in, you know, you'll get it back, but that only applies up to a certain amount. So part of what happened with Silicon Valley bank was you had lots of businesses that had a lot of money there, much more than the insured max. It wasn't insured and people were nervous. Well, if the bank goes under what happened. So if you have all your stuff in one place, find a way to get it insured. And there are banks that will do that. So there are banks that will say, you know, you give us a million dollars, we'll put it in four. Some of it will keep with us. Some of it will put in other banks. Hmm. It'll be behind the scenes. You don't have to deal with it. But you have a million dollars in our bank. It'll all be insured. We'll find a way to make sure it's all insured. Um, the next thing, which is not practical for most people, but it's still conceptually a good idea. It's something to think about. Think about where you're putting your money and put it in places, you know, with with. And this, this is true for banking relationships or really anything else. Deal with responsible players, right? If you deal with people who take big risks and you, do, you don't monitor what vendors are doing, then you're exposed to their failures. Now, again, can every Joe on the street and every small business like control what a big bank is doing? No, but th there could be other other cases, right? If you buy from a supplier who is a, you know, right, you, you buy from a supplier. If you're buying from one supplier, you're exposed to that one supplier. Buy from five suppliers, your risk is diversified, right? If something happens to one of your suppliers, it's more like you might pay a little more. I'm not saying that that there's no trade-offs, right? You'll pay more money because you're not going to be buying in bulk. But if something happens to one of your suppliers, you're okay. If you buy from a supplier and it's only one supplier and they're the type of people who take risky bets because, you know, that's how they're the cheapest and that's why you pick them and they run a risky business, then yeah, you may be exposed. It is a, a, so many probably forces at work that odds are I have a relationship with the person I'm banking with. And so I feel like I'm it's leaving well enough alone or I don't want to go through the headache of, of creating more relationships or make a mistake. How much of that do you think is going on or am I off base? I was listening to Bloomberg this morning, and that is something that they mentioned, which is, and again, it goes back to what we were discussing a moment ago, which is trade-offs. Their Silicon Valley bank had relationships with venture capital funds. Those were the owners behind the scenes of many of the businesses that banked with them. So the reason, one of the reasons potentially that businesses bank with them, meaning one of the reasons businesses took the risk of being concentrated, of having uninsured deposits to Silicon Silicon Valley Bank wasn't going to deal with this. Of leaving all their deposits there, which I, which I heard, but haven't verified that that was one of their things. You have to leave all your deposits with us. One of the things businesses got in exchange for that was favorable treatment, right? They knew the banker. It was a smaller bank. They knew the banker. The banker knew their owner, right? The the investor in the business mm -hmm. knew the banker. So if there was a problem, the business would get flexibility. Because the 
investor in the business would call up the banker and say, hey, you know, the company's going to be late on their payment or they're going to blow through whatever covenant. Don't worry. Take care of them. We'll, we'll, we'll make it good. And so, yeah, th- there was that. Maybe that's why people took on these additional risks. But in the end, it potentially had the potential to blow up in everyone's face. So whatever. These things, there are trade-offs. Like we spoke about the supplier a few minutes ago. Right. If you buy from the supplier who runs a risky, you know, runs a shoddy operation and is the cheapest because he doesn't, you know, he buys used tires for his trucks and that's how he's able to be the cheapest. Then maybe that's the one supplier, your only supplier, which you go to because it's the cheapest is going to be the one who's, you know, going to have a blowout on the highway and the truck is going to crash and all this stuff is going to burn and you're going to be left high and dry. So will that happen most of the time? No. But if that's who you're dealing with, you know. That's a trade-off. That's a risk you're taking. I imagine the list of things you do for for companies, the list of services, whatever it might be, is probably very, very long. And what do you really do for a client? Is it, I'm, I'm a confidant, I can help them recognize blind spots, see around corners, a little bit of everything? So... I'll start broad and then I'll, I'll get a drop more specific. Um, we're a team. We're a team of, right now we've got six CFOs. I'm a little younger than the rest, but all our other CFOs have got over 30 years of experience, right? So the, they have the ability to see around corners. They've been there. They've been there through multiple cycles. Um, and I would say that what we really provide is is – a seasoned business business executive who has been there, who has been around those corners, like you said, um, and we can we can help business owners get it right the first time or get it right the second time instead of the third, fourth, or tenth time. So we're coming in with with that experience and perspective, and I think that that's really our our ultimate deliverable. Now, what do we do on a day to day basis? I mean, we work on cash flow and forecasting. We work on mergers and acquisitions, right? We have clients who are looking to grow. We might help a client figure out, is the smart way to grow to buy another company or is the smart way to grow to invest in marketing or is the smart way to grow to pay our people overtime and get more labor without more benefits? I don't know. You know, there's, we touch lots of different things. It's typically growth oriented, though not always. We went into a company a year ago around that was, basically insolvent, right? They owed tons of money and they didn't really have a way to pay it back. Um, and we, we helped them a lot. Like they're, you know, part of it was building a forecast and figuring out if the business was viable and then it was bringing in an attorney and who helped them deal with some of their, uh, unscrupulous creditors. Um, and you know, th- there's, there's a variety of, of things we have, a, we've gone into clients to do system implementations, but is that that I would say our bread and butter is being the advisor, being the the financial and strategic person on the right hand of the CEO. And I should add that sometimes we'll end up doing that for a CFO as well. So there are companies we go into that have full-time CFOs, and sometimes even large departments beneath the full-time CFO, where we'll still come in. And there it's more tactical. So it's it's sometimes strategic there, but it's often often it's tactical there, helping them with bandwidth you know, related things. That makes sense. 
So what is a, is there a typical engagement? How does it look where somebody reaches out or you reach out and initial conversation discovery? Um, so that's interesting. We have a couple different ways we do it. Um, we're actually, uh, planning on producing next week, a new, very small mini assessment for businesses that come in very small, affordable for anyone kind of to get to know them and dig a little deeper. And then from that, we expect the larger engagements to spread out. But I would say like on a longer term basis, the idea is that for the right size business, we're probably there the equivalent of one day a week, right? It's remote typically. So it's not limited to one specific day of the week, but you know, we'll be at the management meeting. We'll be overseeing the bookkeeper. We'll be discussing strategy with the CEO. You know, somewhere probably between half a day and one day a week is typically, you know, what a business, you know, a typical business will, let's say, have a bookkeeper, maybe a controller. They've got a CEO and they've got a, you know, going concern, profitable business and they need help. They're looking to to grow, to change, to do something. And that's why they decide it's time to add us. CFO to their team, but they don't need to pay half a million dollars for a high level CFO. So, you know, they could either hire a low level, not that experienced person for a lot less, or they can hire full-time experienced person for a lot more, or they can hire us where they'll get a high level experienced person for just part of the time. Excellent. Well, Gershon, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you and how can they engage with you in Imperial Advisory? Great question. Um, so they can engage with us. We are on Instagram. Um, we are on LinkedIn, Imperial Advisory on LinkedIn. I, Gershon Margolis, um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm very active on there. Um, we have accounts on others. We're looking to build up our YouTube and other things, but our main place is probably, I would say, is LinkedIn. And then after that, Instagram. Um, and they can get in touch with us, Gershon at imperialgrp.com or www.imperialgrp.com. You can also try cfoadvisory.co, and that should forward to, that sounds a little better, um, cfoadvisory.co. Um, we'll forward to Imperial Advisory, so you can get to our website that way as well. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed as much as I did, share show Gershon. I was doing so well. You're doing great, George. <laughs> you're we should tell people my other name. My other name is George. So George. George and George the whole time. Yeah. Sir George, your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to imperialgrp.com. What was the other website? CFOadvisory.co. CFOadvisory.co. Find Gershon on LinkedIn and The Farm on Instagram. And I'll list all those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Gershon. Thank you, George. It's a pleasure to be here. And Thanks for having next, me. Until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.